This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It's a pleasure to be with you today, and we do appreciate the fact that you've taken the time to tune in to watch today. We want you to continue to watch today as we'll be discussing a subject that I think would be of mutual interest to us all. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course, and I emphasize to you that this course is absolutely free. We want you to have it and that you might know more about the course, what's involved in the course, and how you can take the course. Let's just pause for a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. In 1 Peter, the third chapter, in verse 15, the Apostle Peter wrote, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and with fear. That one passage of Scripture makes it incumbent upon me as a preacher and as a Christian to be able to explain to other people why I believe what I believe religiously. I ought to be able to give an answer to every man that asks a reason of the hope that I have. Now as I give an explanation of the reason I believe what I believe, I should make my appeal to the Bible. You know, a failure to be governed by the divine standard called the Bible will plunge one into moral and spiritual darkness. In Isaiah 8 and 20, the Bible says to the, to the, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this law, it is because there is no light in them. Well, we plunge ourselves into darkness when we leave the light of God's Word. Furthermore, in 2 John verse 9, the Scripture says that whosoever goeth onward and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Uh, friends, we need to abide in Christ's doctrine in order that we might be in fellowship with God, in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So as I, I tell you today, the reason that I believe what I believe, I make my appeal to the Bible. You see, 1 Peter 4 and verse 11 tells us that if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. So why do I believe what I believe? Or to phrase the question another way, why am I a member of the Church of Christ? I want to tell you that it's not because of my family. Now, it is the case that most of my family on my father's side, my mother's side, are members of 
the Church of Christ. But if that's the only reason that I could give for being a member of the Church of Christ, that'd be an inherited religion. It wouldn't be anything very personal to me. Nor am I a member of the Church of Christ because of any financial or political or social advantage that it might give me. I want you to listen carefully, not because I'm going to say anything that's difficult to understand. I want you to get the point. The reason that I'm a member of the Church of Christ is because to the very best of its ability, churches of Christ throughout the world are endeavoring to restore first century Christianity in the 21st century. I'd like to repeat that. We are endeavoring to restore in the 21st century, first century Christianity. Now, in order that you might understand what I'm uh, talking about here, let, let me make another observation. All of us who believe the Bible would have to accept certain things as being matters of historical record. It's a matter of historical record that Jesus lived, that Jesus died, that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. But that there is a church described within the pages of the Bible is also a matter of historical record. For example, we read about the church in promise. In Genesis, the third chapter in verse 15, God said, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That was an early promise of the Redeemer who would come into the world, who would, who would die for the sins of the world. Later in Galatians, the fourth chapter in verse 4, Paul said, And when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. Jesus Christ, the seed of woman, came into this world. He lived and he died and he purchased the church with his death upon the cross of Calvary. So we read about the church in Genesis 3.15 in, in promise. Further, we read about the church in prophecy. In Daniel, the second chapter in verse 44, In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and it shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. It shall stand forever. My friends, that, that statement was made many years before the church had its beginning. And it was a prophecy about the coming kingdom or church. In Daniel, the second chapter, there were four great world empires that were contemplated. And it would be in the days of that fourth great world empire, the Roman Empire, that the God of heaven was going to set up a kingdom that would never be destroyed. Next, we read about the church in a state of preparation. It was in the days of those kings, that is, in the days of those Roman kings, that John the Baptist came out of the wilderness of Judea in Matthew, the third chapter, and this was the sermon that John preached. Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When he referred to it as being at hand, that meant it's nearby. It wasn't present, but it was coming. And so it was in a state of preparation during the ministry and the lifetime of John the Baptist. 
In Matthew, the fourth chapter, in verse 17, after Jesus had been tempted in the wilderness, the Bible says that he began to preach, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Again, Jesus was pointing to the coming of the kingdom, the coming of the church. And then we turn to the 16th chapter of Matthew. And in verse 18, Jesus said to Peter, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus said, I will build. That was future tense. The church was not in existence at this particular point, but Jesus said it's coming. I will build my church. Jesus said church as of one, not churches as of many. Now keep in mind this is historical fact. This is historical record about the church. Jesus said the church will, or the kingdom will come. And in Mark the ninth chapter and verse 1, Jesus said, Verily there, be, verily there be some of you standing here which shall not taste of death till you have seen the kingdom of God come with power. To remember John the Baptist said the kingdom is at hand. Jesus said, I will build my church and the, I will build the kingdom. But in Mark the ninth chapter in verse 1, Jesus said the church of the kingdom would come with power. Now you turn to Luke the 24th chapter in verse 49. And Jesus said to the disciples, Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. But Jesus said the kingdom is coming, the church is coming, and that's fulfilling the prophecy of Daniel 2 in verse 44. But Jesus said it's going to come with power. And the power will come in the city of Jerusalem. And then we turn to Acts the first chapter. And in verse number 8, Jesus said, Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And so the, whole, the church of the kingdom was going to come with power. It would come in the city of Jerusalem, and the power would come when the Holy Spirit would come upon them. And then we turn to the second chapter of Acts, and now we read about the church in a state of perfection. We've read about it in promise, in prophecy, in preparation, and now we read about the church in a state of perfection. It was on the day of Pentecost following the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, that the apostles were gathered together in the city of Jerusalem. If you'll notice in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 beginning, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all of the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set up on each of them. And notice this carefully. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost 
and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It was on this occasion that the apostles were baptized with the Holy Spirit. They were able to speak languages they had never studied. These were understandable languages because the people later asked how we how he were every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. And so the languages that were being spoken on the day of Pentecost were understandable languages. They were not unintelligible things, not, not an unintelligible utterances, but rather they were l languages of the people that were gathered there. And God endowed the apostles with the ability to speak languages that they had never studied. There was a reason. So that they could preach to the people who were gathered there in the city of Jerusalem from all over the then known world. It was on this occasion that the apostle Peter stood up and he preached to these people. He lifted up his voice and he said, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved among you by, of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. And so Peter is preaching about Jesus, about his life, about his death, about his resurrection from the dead. And the people understood what he was talking about. Why in verse 36 the Bible says, Let all of the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Oh, and they, they, they understood that because the very next verse says that... When they heard this, when they heard what? When they heard that the one they'd crucified was the Son of God, when they learned the one that they had nailed to the old rugged cross was the awaited Messiah, when they heard that, they were pricked in their hearts. And they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What must we do to be saved, in other words? What shall we do? Now let's stop right here. And let's go back and remember that Daniel said the kingdom was going to come in the days of that fourth great world empire. And it was in the days of those kings that John the Baptist said the kingdom is at hand. Jesus said the kingdom is at hand. Jesus said I will build my church. And to Peter he said I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. And he also said there were some living that would not die until the kingdom came with power. He said the power would come in Jerusalem. And he said the power would come with the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles and only upon the apostles on the day of Pentecost. And those apostles on that occasion preached about the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter in particular said, Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of God Almighty. And the people, when they heard that, wanted to know the answer to this question, men and brethren, what shall we do? 
Now let's look at the answer they were given. In verse number 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why, Peter? For the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. They asked, what shall we do? The answer was, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. If you'd allow me to put that in a form of a mathematical equation, it was repentance plus baptism equals remission of sins. If you will look, look carefully now in verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. They were baptized. Why were they baptized? For the remission of their sins, that their sins might be remitted. There might, their sins might be washed away in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 42 says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. But I want you to look now, if you have your Bible open, to the very last verse of Acts chapter 2. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Now friends, what I have rehearsed with you to this point is just history. It's just like opening up a history book. We can say, I don't believe it. Well, we, we can say, well, that's just someone else's interpretation of those facts, but what I have related to you are just the facts. Just the facts. Facts of history. Jesus said, the kingdom is coming. Jesus said, I will build my church. And it was on the day of Pentecost that Peter preached the first recorded gospel sermon under the command to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, that worldwide commission. And when he preached the sermon about Jesus, the people inquired, what shall we do? And they were told to repent of their sins. They were told to be baptized for the remission of their sins. And those that were baptized for the remission of their sins were just simply added to the church. That's just a matter of historical record. Now, if we are going to restore in the 21st century Christianity as it existed in the first century, my question is, what are we to teach today? What are we to tell men and women, boys and girls, that they must do to be pleasing to God today in the 21st century if we're going to restore what they had in the first century church? Well, someone says, well, Brother Lambert, I guess that you'd, what you'd have to do is to is to go back and to find out what they did in the Bible. And, and, and that's just a matter of history. And then if we were to reproduce that in the world today, that is, if we were to do the very same thing today, 
that they did in the first century, well then we would have in the 21st century Christianity as it existed in the first century. You know, there's a lot of things that happened since the day began on the day of Pentecost. A lot of men have come and gone and a lot of different things that have been taught. A lot of different things have, have begun in the name of Christianity and in the name of religion. But friends, I'm a member of the Church of Christ because of the very best of its ability. It's trying not to be something odd or different, but we're trying to go back to the Bible and find out what was the church as it existed in the very beginning. And let's just reproduce that in the world today. Let's have first century Christianity in the 21st century. Why, well, just imagine, if you can, that the world should last another 1,000 years. A thousand years from now, it would be entirely possible to have first century Christianity in the world at that particular time. How? By just going back to the Bible and reproducing in the world today that which they had in the first century. And that's happening all over the world. There's a friend of mine, a gospel preacher, who said, I want to show you a video. And this was a video of a man in, from Russia. This preacher had been to Russia. He had been teaching in one of the schools there. And a young lady said, I, I, my father would like for you to come home. He wants to talk to you. And so the preacher assumed that from that that he had an opportunity to go and to, to share the good news with this family. But when he got to the home, it was quite different. The man began to ask him questions about what he believed and what he taught about various things. What do you teach about the Lord's Supper? What do you teach about Christian worship? What do you teach about baptism? And the preacher just taught what he could read in the Bible. And the man finally explained. He said, you know, my daughter and I became rather disillusioned with religion. And they, he told about the different uh, organization of which they had been members there in Russia. He said, we decided that we would just stay at home and just read our Bibles and to the best of our ability try to do what we read in the Bible. And he said, you know, we read in the Bible that people were baptized for the remission or forgiveness of their sins. So he said, I baptized my daughter in the bathtub and she baptized me. And he said, we read in the Bible that in Christian worship on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, that they always observe the Lord's Supper in commemoration of the death and the suffering of Jesus. And he said, so we do that in our home every Lord's Day. And he said, we, we read in the, in the Bible that, that people just sang in Christian worship. And he said, we just sing songs in our worship. That, I might add, in spite of the fact that this man was a very accomplished musician. And he said, we just call ourselves Christians because we read in the Bible the disciples were called Christians at Antioch, Acts eleven twenty six. And this preacher from America, who had never had an opportunity to teach this family, extended his hand to him. 
and he said, you're my brother. What this man and his daughter had done was without ever knowing anything about the church of Christ in America, was restore in their day and in their country first century Christianity in the world today. That's happening all over the world. I've known it happening in other countries. People deciding, let's just go back to the Bible. Let, let's lay aside all of these things that, that divide us, these, these things that are divisive in nature. Because we all believe in the same God, we all believe in Jesus, and we all believe the Bible. And we can all speak the same thing without having divisions among us. And we can restore in the world today Christianity as it existed in the very beginning. I want to challenge you to think about this quite seriously. If you'd like to talk about it more, I'd be more than happy to discuss it with you privately. I want to challenge you right now to call for the free Bible Correspondence Course. Now this course is going to help you understand more about how people were saved in the New Testament, about how men and women in the first century worshiped God, things that the duties and the obligations that were uh, imposed upon them by God. And so I'd, in, I'd encourage you, I would challenge you to call today for that free Bible correspondence course. It is absolutely free. The things that I have talked to you about today, friends, are, are, are not something that I've made up, but it's what you can read within the pages of the Bible. It's just a matter of history. So I'm a, a member of the Church of Christ because it's endeavoring to restore first century Christianity in the 21st century. I'd encourage you to become a child of God by believing in Jesus, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, by being baptized into Christ, and He will add you to His church family. You can just be a Christian. You can worship and serve God acceptable to Him and one day go home to be with Him in heaven. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, is my prayer. I want to thank you for watching today. And in the closing moments, may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. Please do that. And may I urge you, please, to pick up the phone, call for the Bible course, or if you prefer, take it online. But whatever you do, let's get involved in studying more about the gospel. Please, let's do that. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. It's my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible. Oh